The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome to every one of you here in the room. Welcome to those of you tuning in online. We're grateful that you're with us this morning. Welcome in the name of Jesus. I'm grateful you're here Uh, But we're also lamenting an absence this morning. Uh, Many of you know that early on Saturday, 2 a.m., Elaine Klein passed away, our dear Elaine. And Jack, her husband, is here this morning. And so I want to take a chance, if you're near Jack or if you can find a way to him, let's, let's surround him and lay hands on him And I want to pray for Jack this morning as we grieve the loss of Elaine. Let's pray together, church. Lord God, we commit into your hands the spirit of Elaine. We commit Elaine to you and we grieve and mourn her passing this morning. We grieve the the suffering that she went through at the end. We grieve the the suffering and loss that the Kleins have endured in their lives. And yet, God, we praise you for the peace she is now experiencing in your presence. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for the peace she's experiencing safe with you. Bring peace to Jack. God, help us to surround him. Thank you for his connections group. Thank you for this church and our chance to to love him through this season and through the many weeks and months and years ahead, but especially at this time of year that can be so challenging for so many to grieve. Let us surround him, and God, please surround him with your love, your grace, and your peace. We give thanks for Jack and for Elaine. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I also want to take this moment, as Ben did last week, to invite you uh, to be here this holiday season for our Christmas service, which will be on Christmas Eve, Saturday, December 24th at 5 p.m., So we want to leave that Sunday morning time for you and your families to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we're going to celebrate Christmas together on Saturday the 24th, Christmas Eve, 5 p.m. here. So I hope you'll invite your friends, invite your family, come one, come all to our Christmas Eve service here at the Springs. And there's another important way that we care for one another during the holiday season. We have an annual contribution called the Caring Contribution, and that's going to happen next Sunday, December 11th. So that goes to support our benevolence ministry here at the Springs and all the wonderful ways that we use that money to to love people both within our community and outside of it as well. So the money in benevolence, it goes to covering rent, medical bills, utility bills, covering the costs of counseling. So I hope you know that that is available to you 
and that's available to people outside of our community as well. That's something that we've devoted that money to helping serve one another and our community. So I hope you'll consider giving to our caring contribution that's going to happen next Sunday, December 11th. I'm thankful that Delisa is going to lead us into that contribution next week. But this morning, we are moving into the second Sunday of Advent, as you've already heard, the Sunday of Peace, and we're in a series called Advent, the God of Hope. So we're going to spend some time together in the Word of God, Romans chapter 15, 4 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray, church. Jesus, we give you thanks for this word. We thank you for this season of focusing on your coming, your arrival, your advent. Grant us peace. Holy Spirit, illuminate this text in our hearing, and God, I ask you for the gift of preaching. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. It's always good to be in the company of a dear friend, and especially if that friend is coming from a long distance away. If you have friends who are really close but live in proximity a long ways away. It's great when they finally come into your presence again. I have a friend who I've told some stories about before named Jacob Schuert. Some of you know him. And he came to the Springs for a while. He actually played keys here. But then he lives in Japan now. But I'm always excited when I know that Jacob's coming through town. I'm always excited that he's going to be around, that I'll be in his company, not only because I love Jacob, but also because of the people that it often brings together around him. It often seems that when Jacob is coming in through town, the people who are bonded together by their friendship with Jacob inevitably get together. Right? Whatever kind of distance or 
tension there may be between any of us, we can always come and unite around the fact that we are friends with Jacob, that we're in his company, and that he's with us. And likewise, Advent is a time where we anticipate the coming of Jesus. And we also celebrate that he has come in the incarnation. So we know that we are in God's company, and it's as we await the coming of Jesus, it's at this time that we realize we can get together around Jesus. It's at this time that we realize being in the company of God bonds us together. Whatever tension or distance there may be between us, we can get together in peace and unity around the coming of Jesus. When we're in the company of God, we know that we can live in harmony with one another. In other words, Advent is about Verse seven from Romans 15, where Paul says, welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. When Jesus shows up and we're welcomed into his presence, we're reminded that we can welcome one another. We're reminded that we can live in harmony. We're reminded that we can be united in peace. But how does that happen? How in God's company do we find peace with each other amidst all the strife and turmoil of life on earth? Let's see what Paul has to say about that by jumping back into verse four. He says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Paul says this of the Old Testament, essentially, right? When Paul mentions the scriptures, he's talking about Israel's scriptures, the Old Testament. And of course, we read these words to the New Testament as well. We include that. But Paul's talking about the Old Testament. He says, hey, this was all written for you to have encouragement, Right? This was written for you to be instructed and to have hope. So whatever struggles we have with Scripture, whatever texts we wrestle with and are confused by, whatever hang-ups we might have by Scripture, by the Bible, Paul says properly interpreted, hey, this is supposed to lead to hope. This is supposed to lead to flourishing. This is supposed to lead to encouragement. And one of the ways that happens, we see by going back one verse to verse three. All right, so if we back up, it says, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So Paul is quoting from Psalm 69 here. But it's interesting that Paul is attributing these words, he's applying these words to Jesus, Right? We, we may not think that that's remarkable, but I think that is. Right? The, the original author of these psalms couldn't have known Jesus of Nazareth. They were separated by centuries. And yet Paul is saying, this means Jesus. Paul is saying, these words are from Jesus. These words are about Jesus. That's remarkable. Jesus is the true lens through which we interpret all of Scripture. 
Jesus, we can talk about the original context of when it was written, but there is no context more original than Jesus, the origin of all things, right? God spoke all things into existence through his word, Jesus Christ. So if we're reading a text and we're not reading it through the context of Jesus, the word of God, we're probably reading it wrong. The way that we find harmony in Scripture, the way we find encouragement and hope in all of Scripture is by seeing that in God's company, the story always leads to Jesus. In God's company, the story always leads to Jesus. It's like being at a dinner party with someone and all of the stories kind of just keep coming back to the same person, the same topic, the same thing if you've ever experienced that. But in God's company, it always comes back to Jesus. Every story, no matter where it goes, leads to Jesus, the coming one, the anointed Messiah who redeems us. We read well, and we're encouraged by the hope of Scripture when we see that it's all about Jesus. Right? As a passage that I love to quote from time to time, Luke 24 The risen Jesus, it says that then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. And he specifically mentions the the Psalms when he's talking to his apostles in verse 44. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus is the origin of all things, the end of all things, and there's no context more original than Jesus. In God's company, every story always leads to Jesus. I hope you were able to get one of our Advent calendars from our children's ministry. If you haven't gotten one, talk to Kendall Fike, but they're really wonderful. I plucked this off our refrigerator this morning. It's a great advent calendar um, and just a lot of wonderful stuff to go through, very beautifully connected to this season. There are, however, other advent calendars that are not quite so fitting for the season. I came across an article this past week that was called The Pleasures of the Lux Advent Calendar. And the author writes this, She starts the article, every holiday season, I buy multiple advent calendars. I'm not so moved by counting down to Christmas as I am excited by the idea of getting a present every day. And she goes on to list these luxury advent calendars retailing about $500, most of them. There's sweets, there's candles, there's underwear. So I'm not up here to decry the consumerism of Advent per se, although we could talk about that. But what I'm really trying to talk about and illustrate is the fact that Advent, like Christmas for most of the world, has become completely disconnected from the story. Right? We know that. It's, it's kind of a truism. Advent is, has become completely disconnected from the story of Israel, right? It's, it's disconnected from the story of Jesus, and instead, 
like everything, we want to turn every story to come back to ourselves, right? Every story, ultimately, we want it to serve our own selves. But in God's company, we know that that's idolatry, right? We know that every story ultimately does lead back to Jesus, And the spirit of Advent reminds us of the story we're really a part, the story that leads to the salvation of the coming Jesus Christ. And that's the story that brings peace. That's the story that we believe at the very end of the day, at the end of time, is the story leading to God's everlasting peace and can bring peace on earth, peace into our lives even now. And so that's where Paul goes in the next part of our passage. In verse five, may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So, Picking up in Romans 15 is like jumping into the last 20 minutes of a great movie, right? So much has happened before this. So just to rewind just a little bit, we read a text from Romans 13 last week where Paul says, besides this, you know what time it is, how it's the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. Salvation is near. Jesus is coming, Advent, wake up and smell the coffee, Paul says, right? And then he goes to to chapter 14, and it's 14 where Paul talks about people getting along with one another in the church in Rome, right? The strong in faith are to bear with the weak in faith. The weak in faith are to accept the strong in faith. We can get together. You might think this day is really holy. I think they're all the same. You might think eating that is good. I think it's bad. We can figure that out. We can get over these disputable matters and live together. And so it's then that Paul gets to our passage, where he says, may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. So because we're in God's company, because Jesus has come and is coming, we find that in God's company, we can find harmony. In God's company, we can find peace with each other. As all of the singers who get to lead you in worship at the Springs will tell you, in order to have good harmony, the one fundamental thing you have to have is the ability to hear each other. If you want to sing in harmony, you have to listen to each other. You have to hear to stay in tune, to stay at that tonal center, to stay in key. So perhaps God's company is a place with really good acoustics. Perhaps being in God's presence is a place where we can hear each other. That's what the church is supposed to be. 
a place where we can listen to one another, a place where we can even have dissonance, and good harmony can have dissonance, but a place where we can get together and hear one another, and how sad that the church has rightly in some cases garnered this reputation for being the last place where you can be heard, for being the last place where you can listen to each other, hear each other out, and get along. How sad. We can do better. Because in God's company, we can find harmony. In God's company, because Jesus is coming, whatever tensions or distance between us, we can get together and unite around our bond with Jesus, the Prince of Peace. I went to a a Christian high school up in South Dakota. I'm really grateful that my parents sent me there. Uh, Learned a lot, had a good education, and it was really formative for me. But it was also a reformed Christian high school, and I was a Church of Christ kid. That's our tradition here. And so inevitably there were some theological disputes that sprang up from time to time. And those would happen here and there. We'd get into a discussion and argument about some point of Christian teaching. And I remember one day it happened with a teacher and he was teaching kind of a theology apologetics class that I was in and we got to some sticking point between us and we wound up talking about it even after class ended. We were still discussing this and it never really got heated but I know internally it felt kind of heated for me and so we're talking about it and he kind of lands on, well, this is where I am ultimately And I said, well, I just disagree. And I'll never forget his response. He said, and that's okay. And that's okay. It didn't satisfy me at the time. (laughs) But the more I've reflected on that, the more I've thought back to his response, the more I've reflected on his posture towards me, the more I realized he was trying to live in harmony with me. Right? He, he was trying to say, this might be really important, and, and you and I might never see eye to eye on this, but we both love Jesus. Maybe we can still live together. right? Maybe we can still serve him together. Maybe we can still find harmony even in that dissonance. We can stay on the tonal center, the root chord of Jesus. As Paul says in chapter 14, right before our text, he says, why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual edification. In God's company, we can find harmony. But just who gets into God's company? Who's allowed into the company of God? I can probably find a way to get along with everybody in God's company as long as I'm the gatekeeper. As long as I'm the one deciding who gets into the party. Well, Paul and the Christians of his day, 
they were pretty surprised at the people that were getting in to God's company. That's one of the most trademark things about Jesus' ministry is the people he's willing to fraternize with, right? The table fellowship that he had with people. And then, of course, these Jewish Christians are surprised to know that Gentiles get to come into the company of God as well, and they go back and read their scriptures our scriptures now, and and see, as Paul quotes, beginning in verse 8, I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come. And the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. So Paul strings together these quotes from Psalms and Deuteronomy and Isaiah, and he says, look at the wideness of God's mercy. He says, look at who's getting into the company of God. And look what the plan was all along. The story was always leading to Jesus. The story was always leading to the harmony of the whole universe that God wants to bring together. The story was always leading to welcoming in even the Gentiles, us. God's plan has always been to extend the invitation to all. The invitation stands open. All are welcome in the company of God. God welcomes those he invites, and the invitation is always wider than we can fully comprehend or grasp. And there's nowhere that we see this more clearly. There's no time or place that we see more clearly that we're welcomed into God's company than at the tables. It's at the table that we see that Christ has welcomed us so we can welcome one another. It's at the table that we realize that we're in the company of God, the Jesus who shed his blood on the cross making peace so we can find unity and harmony and welcome at the table. In the final verse of this passage, Paul gives us that beautiful benediction that we're reciting every week of Advent. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, we're gonna be filled with hope. Filled with joy and peace, we're gonna abound with hope. Well, the place where we're filled is the table. The place where there's bounty abounding is the table. And that's the place we've been welcomed to together to encounter the peace of Christ. We have this peace because the spirit of Jesus welcomes us to the tables and in turn, we welcome one another. Rowan Williams says this about communion about the table. He says, 
Holy communion obliges you to see the person next to you as wanted by God. God wants that person's company as well as mine. How much simpler if God only wanted my company and that of those I had decided to invite, but God does not play that particular game. I'm about to welcome you to the table of Jesus Christ. And when you come to the tables, I want you to know a few things. I want you to know that we've got the bread and the cup stacked in these trays at the tables around the room. I want you to know that we've got offering baskets if you want to bring your gift for the continued ministry of this church. I want you to know that there will be leaders from our church, elder couples around the room that are ready to welcome you. They'll receive you if you want prayer, if you want to receive baptism, if you want to confess, talk, they're ready to welcome you. And then I want you to know and to partake in a particular way this morning. When you come to the tables, instead of serving yourself, I want you to serve someone else. We've done this before. Instead of taking the bread and cup and for yourself, I want you to take the bread and cup and give it to someone else. And when you give it to someone else, I want you to say, God wants your company. God wants your company. When they give you the bread and the cup, whoever it is, I want you to receive that with the words, God wants your company. God wants your company. And in the company of God, Springs Church, there's peace. Come to the tables.